The trail of life comes with many forks. Should you go left or should you go right? It's often difficult to know. Some trails lead to places you don't want to go. Other paths are too dangerous and not worth the risk. Still others fail to deliver on what they promise. Just how do you know? But then another hiker arrives. He's walked these trails before. Sometimes he simply points in the right direction, but other times he says, here, come walk with me. Will you choose the way of the wise? Whoever walks with the wise will be wise. Well, it is good to be with you in person today after spending last weekend in COVID prison. And uh, just, just, I just wanted to know what everybody else had experienced, so I went ahead and took my turn, did all those shots and everything, and still got it. So uh, happy to say that I'm feeling much better. Actually, I never really felt that bad, but uh, it's nice to be back with you. Last week, I watched online at home, so to all of you people at home, I feel for you. It's not near as good as it is here in person, but I'm still glad you're with us at home, all right? And hopefully it sounded half as good at home for worship as it did for the rest of us this morning, because that was just awesome. Thanks so much to Chris for leading us this morning, and you're going to want to get to meet him. And uh, his family's over here. We won't embarrass you guys, okay? He, he did bring his family, so you can figure out who they are. But uh, hopefully you get a chance to stop and visit with Chris afterwards, too. We're excited about uh, the possibilities of having Chris join us as well here at Waterford Community Church. But anyhow, I am so glad that you are all here this morning. And I want to share something that hopefully will be a help to you. I appreciated Mark last week. Did a great job, didn't he? He filled in at the last minute. I called him up on Saturday morning and said, oh, Mark, I have a problem. And uh, I said, you're on. He's like, okay, here we go. So uh, Mark worked a lot of days last week. So he's actually visiting with all of his family in Tennessee this weekend. All three of his kids and grandkids are all together. So I hope they have an absolutely fantastic time that he'll be back next week as well. If you are a serious hiker here in the United States, you know this, that there are really two iconic trails that you need to hike to say that you have, have really, you know, Maybe checked it off your bucket list or however you would say. But the first one of them is pretty familiar, especially to those of us who live on the eastern side of the U.S., and that's the Appalachian Trail. The Appalachian Trail runs from Springer Mountain, Georgia, to Mount Katahdin in, in Maine. Runs about 2,200 miles, and it's um, through 14 states. And that's really the one that we've heard the most of. There's a, there's a similar parallel trail almost out there in California, Washington, and Oregon, known as the Pacific Crest Trail. That runs about 2,600 miles. Now, if you walk one of these trails, if you hike one of these trails, there's actually three different types of people that you will run into on these trails, three different types of hikers. The first one of them is what they call a through-hiker. And through-hikers are people who are going to walk the entire trail from one end to the other end all at one time. And we're talking 2,200 miles, 2,600 miles. This is a long trail. This is a big expedition. And they're talking... Two, three, well, not two, three, four, maybe five months. 
but they set aside like half a year. They train for this, and they're like, we're going to go do this. They, they pack everything with them, all their food, all their bedding, everything that they need, and they walk this trail from one end to the other end. Those are known as through hikers. There's not many of them, partly because of just the, the time that it takes. But there's a second group of hikers known as section hikers. And section hikers actually are on the mission to do the entire trail themselves, but they do it in sections. And so maybe they can get a week or two off work, and so they'll go hike for one, two weeks, maybe a month. And these are really more common on the trail. My brother-in-law has done this and has started in Georgia and has worked his way through part of that. I had a pastor friend in South Bend, some of you know and have met at retreats over at Maranatha, Craig Clapper, who was a section hiker on the Appalachian Trail. And these, these are, they're into it too. I mean, they're carrying the full packs and they're, they're staying in the shelters or staying in tents. And then there's the third group of hikers out there, and that's my wife and me. We're known as the day hikers. We drive to a little part of the trail and we walk for 8, 10, 12 miles. And we take our Jimmy Johns with us in our backpack. And we pull those out along with our, you know, our cheese crackers and our granola bars and our Gatorades. And when it's all done, we go back to our car and we drive back to the hotel and we take a nice hot shower and we sleep in a nice hot bed. Well, I guess the bed's not that hot. But uh, uh, we sleep in nice warm sheets. How's that? And it's just not that bad. And so we really don't quite qualify for what the award is that are given to these through hikers and to these section hikers. And their reward for that is what's known as a trail name. A trail name, and that's the nickname that these folks have, guys and gals, as they walk on this trail. And they don't really use their own given names. They, they, are, they earn these trail names, and it becomes a nickname that they're known by. And so when you run across somebody and say, introduce yourself, you introduce yourself by your trail name. Now, you don't pick a trail name for yourself. A trail name is actually picked for you, usually by the people that are hiking with you or somebody else that's, that, that, that runs across you on the trail, according to something that describes you or according to something maybe that, that's happened to you on the trail. So let me give you so, some examples. Um, I was reading this week about uh, a woman who had uh, hiked on the, uh, on the Pacific Crest Trail through Oregon through all the snow. And so they gave her the name of Arctic Fox. And so um, that's her nickname on the trail. Her trail name was Arctic Fox. I was reading about a guy on the Appalachian Trail who was from Wisconsin. And when he got to his shelter the first night, he pulled out this huge block of cheese and ate the whole thing in one sitting. And from then on out, he was known as Cheese on the trail. And anybody who wanted to talk to him, they just called him Cheese. I was reading about another guy who uh, ripped his pants and was wearing yellow boxers. And his trail name became Banana Split. Imagine that, right? Okay, the sound system like that one too. And there's all these different trail names that, that come, and you could kind of imagine some of these names, like Lightweight, or No Collar, or Boo Boo Boy, Salty, Heat Wave, Thumper. And they are all these names that are given to people, and they're known by these on the trail. So when you run into one of these people, they don't say, hey, I'm Brent. They say, hey, I'm whatever that trail name happens to be. And then when you get to the shelters at night, they have a logbook. And you can sign in on the logbook, and sometimes you write down your thoughts from the trails or maybe some word of advice or whatever. And then they always sign it by these trail names. And so when you get on the trail, you kind of become um, a, a anonymous in a way because nobody knows your real name. They just know your trail names. Now, I mentioned that this morning because I want to talk about a story in the Bible where there's actually a guy who has a trail name, seemingly. And then there's two other people on that trail who don't have trail names, but we're going to give them one. 
this morning. And you're going to find the story in 1 Samuel chapter 25. Now, as you're working towards that, I thought it might be fun this morning, though, if we handed out a few trail names in here this morning. So, Alan Hyde, you're going to get a chance to have your own trail name here. And I've got these trail names. They're numbered from 1 to 5. You can pick 1 to 5. And whatever you get, though, that's going to be your trail name for the rest of the day. Okay? So, Alan, 1 to 5, what do you say? 3. Your trail name is Chili Willie. Chili Willie. And that's spelled C-H-I-L-I. So I don't know what that story is there. But, but Chili Willie. Mike Rushing, can't choose 3. 1 to 5. 4. Lost and Found. Lost and found is your trail name. Kate Eichhorn, you got one, two, or five? One. Chuckles. Chuckles, all right? So if you want to talk to Chuckles or Lost and Found or Chili Willie over here, and if you're playing at home, I didn't want you to lose out too. So at home, you can choose A, B, or C, and here's the rule. Whatever you choose, that's going to be your trail name for the rest of the day at your house. You must call each other this name at home. So if you chose A, here's your trail name. You are slumber cat. That means you may be the one that's still in your PJs there this morning, too. If you chose B, your name is Waffles. And if you chose C, your name is Wonder Dog. So at your house today, those are the only names that may be used, all right? Slumber cat, Waffles, or Wonder Dog. Well, people obviously have a lot of fun with these trail names. And it, it's just kind of part of the, uh, the culture of the trail. But there's something a little bit deeper in there because when you run into one of these people who has a trail name, you've run into a person who has experience on the trail and has some wisdom and some advice and some stories and some experiences that they can share with you. But it's a great parallel to life because as we walk the trail of life, and we've talked about life trails, and if you haven't picked up your water bottle yet, you need to get one. And don't, if you don't have your No Shame sticker yet, you need to get one of those. You can pick those up at the information center there in the lobby. But as we, nice, nice advertisement there, right? But as we walk this trail of life, we're going to come across other people on that trail who can be of significant help to us. In fact, we know that. We know that there are people who have impact on us. Sometimes it's the person who's given us some advice. Sometimes it's the person who has modeled a way to live or a way to, to act in a situation. Or maybe it's somebody who's just walked along with us in some of those moments in life when we desperately needed companionship. But that's the way that it's supposed to be. Sometimes it's coaches. Sometimes it's teachers. Sometimes it's parents. Sometimes it's mentors. But none of us starts out what I would call trail-wise in life. We don't start out tremendously wise. In fact, you can go down the preschool hallway today, check in with the kids there, and you're not going to find a whole lot of wisdom. We gain wisdom as we go through life, through the experiences that we have, through the things that we're taught, but also by the people, through the people that influence us. And I think that's the way that God intended it to be. Think about it. If you go back to the garden, what did God say about Adam? It's not good for him to be alone. He needs somebody else on this trail. And then he puts them into a family, and then he puts those families into communities. And God's plan has always been for the people around us to add to our lives and to add wisdom into our lives. Well, let's look at this story here in 1 Samuel chapter 25 that I think probably took place on a literal trail. And there's some interesting things to learn that I think would help us when it comes to this area of wisdom, specifically when we talk about making decisions. Now, I don't know if you've ever made, has anybody ever made a, a bad decision before? 
Okay, all of you who haven't, I want to talk to you because you could really help me. In fact, we make a bad decision, and, and we're like, oh, that didn't turn out like I had hoped. And we look back, it's like, oh, how could I have been so dumb? What was I thinking here in this situation? And you beat yourself up, and well, I've had this experience very recently in my own life. Um, I had to replace a car, and I have made a very, very bad decision on a car. And it's cost me a lot of money and some inconvenience and some anxiety. And if you work for Chrysler, I really appreciate you still. So it's not your fault. But the truth is that to story, today's story, the wisdom that's found there really would have helped me a lot. And I know that if you're facing decisions in your life, what this story teaches us can help us all. So let's go ahead and take a look at this. Before we do that, let's start with a definition of wisdom, though. Wisdom is the ability to see down the road and to choose the right path. It's the ability to see down the road, see what's coming, and choose the right path that's going to take us to the outcome that we're looking for. Now, it differs from discernment. When discernment, I'm just trying to sort through things. Wisdom has an action step, a component to it. So, okay, I take this, I process this, I forecast where this is going, and then I choose the right path according to what that forecast is this morning. And the good news is this morning is that we all can get better at this. We all can get better at this. And one of the ways we get better at this, obviously, is through the way of the wise. In this verse, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. And so there's a great reminder to us here this morning that we get wiser simply by hanging out with wise people. Sorry. I'll just move this chair and I won't sit down. Let's read 1 Samuel chapter 25. Now Samuel died, and all Israel assembled and mourned for him, and they buried him at his home in Ramah. Then David moved down into the desert of Paran. And this sets the table for us, and there's some significant things to note here in this verse. First of all, Samuel had died, and that was David's mentor, that was David's confidant, and this was really maybe David's spiritual hero. But he was an important person to David because at this time in life, David is in flight. Saul is chasing him and trying to kill him. And it's nice to know that you have a friend somewhere. And his friend, Samuel, has just passed away. So David has lost a really important ally. As I mentioned, he's on the run from Saul. So things aren't going well there. He's got a makeshift army of guys that he's gathered around him. And they're very, very hungry. And so David is just facing a ton of stress. Now, I put a map up here, and you may not be able to read that. It's a little bit small on the writing, but at least you can have the idea here. Do I have, um, we're in this circle here is where our story takes place today. Now, if you see number one, that's where David started running from Saul. So you can kind of follow his path where he's gone, all these different places all around here. And by the time he gets here, he's like at stop number 10, 11, whatever. It's been a pretty hectic life that he's living and he gets to this place, and he's just worn out. He doesn't have enough food. And he runs into this guy, or realizes there's this guy who lives in this area of Maon, which you can see right there is where that's located, Maon. And he's like, oh, this guy can help us. There was a certain man in verse number 2 of Maon who had property there. Carmel is very wealthy. He had 1,000 goats and, uh, and 3,000 sheep. And he was sharing them in, in Carmel. So a rich guy with lots of sheep, lots of wool, lots of money, lots of food. His name was Nabal. Let me just stop right there. Because that name actually means something. The name Nabal means fool. Now, I don't know if his parents 
looked at him as a baby and thought, we need to come up with a name, let's call him Fool. That doesn't seem likely to me, so I have to wonder if this isn't like a trail name that this guy earned along the trail, and it became like a nickname. Everybody calls him Nabal. Now, that's just speculation, but it, it might fit here. And so we run across this guy, Nabal, or in English, his name is Fool. And his wife's name is Abigail, and she was an intelligent and beautiful woman. And that word intelligent there means more than just smart. It means that she was wise and she was perceptive. She was just one of those people that just kind of got life and, and was good at it. But her husband was surly and mean in his dealings, and, and he was a, a Calebite. So when Davis was in this wilderness that we have up here on the thing, he's, he's hungry, and he needs something to eat. He hears that Nabal is shearing sheep, and so this is what he does. He grabs some of his servants, 10 of them, and says, hey, go to Nabal and ask if he'll give us some food. Because we were in this area before, and you can see the little arrows. And when we were in this area before, we really took care of his shepherds and protected them from outside people. So since we protected his shepherds, maybe he'll return the favor and give us some food, and that will help us out of our situation right there. So David sends off this entourage to, to meet with Nabal. Verse number 9, when David's men arrived, they gave Nabal this message in David's name, and they waited. And Nabal answered David's servants, Who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? And this was meant to be an insult. In other words, he's saying, Who is the son of Jesse? You have no standing of your own. The only worth you have is because your father happens to have some prominence in our society here. Now think about this. This is in 1 Samuel chapter 25. You back up to 1 Samuel 17, which came beforehand. There's a big story that went on in, in David's life, like the story of David and Goliath. So this is post-David and Goliath, and still Nabal is standing here and saying, you know what you are? You are just a boy. And it was meant to be an, insert, uh, an insult. And then he goes on and says, many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. And by that he means one of two things. He's either saying, you know what you are right now? You are living in rebellion against Saul, and I'm not going to support you. Or he might have meant this, you know, many servants are breaking away. Like, if you can't feed your boys, I can, so maybe they need to come work for me. But it was meant to be an insult here. And he finishes it up by saying, why should I take my bread and water and the meat I have slaughtered from my shears and then give it to the men who are coming from who knows where? So he rejects him. He throws in a few insults and says, I'm not going to help you, you loser. See ya. That's Nabal's response. So David's men in verse number 12 turned around and went back. And they reported every word. And David said to his man, strap on your swords, boys. We're going to war. And he took about 400 men with him. 200 stayed with the supplies. So let me just interrupt this story to say this was a really, really bad idea. And yes, he had been rejected. And yes, he had been insulted. But like having a big physical battle where you're all going armed, it's not a good idea. But we do the same thing. Something happens in our, in our lives, in a situation with a person, with a relationship, and we're like, you know what? I'm going to win this one. And we strap on our swords. And they're not literal swords, but they're the swords of our words or they're swords of our angers. And we try to make ourselves big and strong and overpower. And we escalate a situation and we never, ever resolve anything like that in a good way. And that's what David is setting himself up for. He's trying to overpower and overpowering is always a bad plan. Well, when David had sent his servants to go talk to uh, Nabal originally, one of those servants watched the whole thing going on and thought, Nabal, that's a really, really stupid response that you just gave to Nabal. 
uh, to David. But instead of saying something to Nabal, he went and talked to Nabal's wife and told Abigail what just happened. Verse number 14, David sent messengers from the wilderness to give our master greetings. But what did he do? He hurled insults at them. And those guys have been great about taking care of us. They didn't mistreat us. The whole time that we were out in the fields, they never took anything from us. They were like a wall of protection around us. And he says this in verse number 17 to Abigail. Now think it over and see what you can do. Now there's a really, really important point right there. Verse number 17. Now think it over. And see what you can do. Because disaster is hanging over our master and over his whole household. And he says this, he is such a wicked man that nobody can talk to him. Or you could say it this way, he's such a fool that he won't listen. So what does this intelligent, wise woman, Abigail, do? She acts quickly. And she grabs a whole bunch of food. And she loads it up on donkeys. And then she says in verse number 19, let's go, uh, let's go on ahead. I'll follow you. She didn't tell her husband Nabal. And as she came riding the donkey into the mountain ravine, and this is where I picture them on this trail. They're not hiking, they're riding. But as she hides, uh, rides into this mountain ravine, there were David and his men descending towards her, and she meets them. And David had been mumbling to himself the whole time, and it tells us what he's mumbling there in verse number 21. It's been useless, all my watching over this fellow's property in the wilderness so that nothing was missing. He paid me back evil for good. And then check this out, what he says. May God deal with David, be it ever so severely, if by morning I, I leave alive one male of all who belong to him. You refused to feed me, you called me names, you insulted me, I'm wiping out everything you own. Seems like an overreaction, doesn't it? Yeah, big time. And Abigail, she sees David, verse number 23. She gets off her donkey. She bows down, falls to her face to the ground, and she says this, Pardon my servant, your, uh, my Lord, and let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Hear what your servant has to say. Unlike Nabal, I'm not talking to him because he doesn't listen. I'm going to talk to you because I hope that you will listen. Please pay no attention to him. He's just like his name. He's a fool and his folly goes with him. But for me, I wasn't there when this whole thing happened. When you sent your servants and he was rude, I didn't know about it. I just found out about it, and I'm coming here to intercept you. And she shows up with the food that David requested and then some. And then she talks to somebody who would listen. And wisdom and listening are always linked. In fact, when you go to the story in Kings where, where, where uh, God shows up and says to, to um to Solomon, I'll give you anything. And, and Solomon asked for wisdom. He actually asked for a hearing heart. And that's what wisdom is, is this ability to hear and to listen. And so as Abigail starts to speak, David actually listens. But she says this, please forgive my presumption here. The Lord your God will certainly make a lasting dynasty for you because you fight the Lord's battles. No wrongdoings going to be found in you as long as you live. Even though someone is pursuing, she's talking about Saul, even though someone is pursuing to take your life, you're going to be safe because you are bound up in the Lord your God. It's the lives of your enemies. He'll hurl away as the pocket of a sling. And David really needed to hear this as Abigail said to her, to him, relax, God's on your side. He's going to take care of you. You don't really need to mess with Nabal. God's problem, not yours. 
Step back. And he goes, she goes on there and says, hey, when the Lord has fulfilled for my Lord, you, every good thing he promised concerning him, and appointed him as ruler over Israel, when he makes you king, my Lord will not have on his conscience the staggering, needless burden of bloodshed or having avenged himself. And she says what? When you become king, if you'll just walk away from this, you will be so glad that you did. Because you will not have on your conscience the stupidity, the stupid action here of vengeance in wiping out an entire family. And so as we look at this story, there's a ton of wisdom in this story, and there's encouragement to us to walk with the wise. But I want to peel it back like in three layers here this morning. I think the first one is really obvious here, and it's this. There's wisdom in listening to others. There's wisdom in listening to others, of walking with the wise. In this case, it was Abigail. But there's wisdom in realizing that we don't need to figure out everything on our own. That there are going to be times when we face decisions, we face situations, we face problems and complications in life where sometimes we're like overwhelmed and we don't know what to do, and that's okay because we can actually go to other people and say, hey, help us. We're not born wise. We do learn wisdom, and we learn wisdom from these other people, so we need to access them. It's a skill, and it's an ability that we can grow in, but we don't just grow in in that on our own. We grow in that by by leveraging the wisdom of the people around us. Now, discernment's important in that because you want to make sure that verse that we looked at earlier, uh, the companion of fools suffers harm. We don't want to listen to the wrong people. But we do need to find people in our lives that we can listen to, that can give us perspective, or I would say it even this way, who can ask us good questions. Because Abigail didn't necessarily pose what she said as a question, but if you really kind of back it up and look at it, what is she basically saying to David? Hey, do you really think this is a good idea? Do you really think wiping out everybody is going to be something that you want on your record? It's sometimes we need those people in life who are good at asking us those questions that helps us with perspective. So who are those people in your life? It could be parents, it could be mates, it could be teachers, it could be mentors, it could be coaches, it could be anybody. But do you have those people in your life? Because if you want to be wise, you want to walk the way of the wise, you're walking in the paths of wise people. The second thing, though, the second layer in the story is the wisdom that we see of Abigail and David. Now, what was Abigail's wisdom? Abigail's wisdom was basically, hey, don't do something that you're going to regret. Stop for a minute. Think about this. And I would say it this way. Abigail was saying, consider your path. What you're deciding here is going to take you somewhere. And I don't know how many times I said to my kids growing up, is you, can't, uh, you, know, you can't make bad choices and end up in good places. And what Abigail is saying here is, hey, the choice you're making, where is it going to take you? And that's the advice that she gives to David. And I think that's advice that we need to hear ourselves. Consider your path. As you're facing a decision, play it out. Where, not necessarily will this end up, but where could this end up? is a question that we need to ask ourselves sometimes. Now, she actually throws in some other counsel there at the same time. She says, hey, let God be God in your life. Let God sort out this story. Let God deal with Nabal. And by the way, God does with Na- deal with Nabal. And Nabal, a little bit later on in the story, dies of a heart attack. 
But there's wisdom in letting God be God, and there's wisdom in letting God even the score. But I love just Abigail's idea of saying, hey, where are you going? And I want to give Abigail a trail name here this morning. And I want to give Abigail the trail name of Lookout. Lookout. Because she is not, she's like the one who's, who's, who's mentally gone on ahead in the path and said, where is this heading? And said, hmm, I don't think you want to come this way. But she's also the voice of warning in David's life saying, look out. You're not going in the right direction. And I think we need those people on our paths that are lookouts. We need lookouts on our paths. Well, there's also the wisdom of David here this morning. And the wisdom of David is simply this. He did a U-turn. He's walking down this path. It's not going where it's going to be a good uh, resolution. And Abigail meets him, stops him, and he's like, oh, you're right. And he turns around and goes the other direction. And there's incredible wisdom in being willing to listen and in being willing to reconsider and being willing to go in a different direction. The fact that you're heading one way doesn't mean you're a bad person. And the fact that you maybe haven't seen through everything or heard every argument or or considered every option, that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. But if we're willing to listen and we're willing to think about that, we can say, oh, all right, I'm going to turn and go in a different direction. And if I could give David a trail name this morning, I would give him the trail name of U-Turn. And maybe that's the trail name that you need to actually take for yourself here this morning. Whatever it is that you're wrestling with in the direction that you're going, and maybe even already know that it's not the right direction, where you could stop and say, you know what? I think I need to go in a different direction here, and I need to make a U-turn. Well, there's also wisdom that's just found in this story itself, a third layer down here. Let me just throw a few things out here as you are looking at decisions and choices in your life. The first thing is this. Don't make important decisions while you're depleted. David, we started out by saying what? Samuel had just died. He's probably mourning and grieving. He's on the run. By the time he gets to, to that place, he's, he's been all over the wilderness. His men are probably griping and hungry. He's got a ton of stress on him. Not a good place to be when you're trying to make decisions. Sometimes we get ourselves in those same things. We've, had, we've been dealing with a lot emotionally or we're physically worn out or even sick and we make a decision because we are simply worn down. Just a good rule in life, don't make important decisions when you're depleted. When I was working with college kids, I used to tell them all the time, some quote I read somewhere, but we're all two-year-olds after 10 p.m. It's true, isn't it? When we get tired, we make poor decisions. Secondly, Don't act hastily. We make mistakes when we rush. And if somebody is pushing you to make a decision, you need to step back and say, oh, I need some time here. But Abigail, it's interesting, she acted quickly, but she didn't act hastily. She took time to step back and think, okay, what do we need to do here? What's our objective? Where are we trying to get to? Don't act hastily. We make a lot of mistakes there. And it's because of this third thing. Don't let emotion overwhelm reason. When I'm tired and then depleted, when I'm in too much of a hurry, I tend to lean into my emotions and I tend to make mistakes. And I love that phrase in that story when the servant comes to Abigail and says, you need to think about this. And when we have decisions that we need to make in life, we need to stop and say, not that our emotions are unimportant. God gave them to us. 
but to say, as I make this decision, I need to make sure that it's being reasoned out, not just felt out here. Don't let emotion crowd out reason. Fourthly here, don't, let, don't determine right by the results. And the right that David was after here was to take care of his men and make sure that, 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 that they would be fed. And if he went and wiped out Nabal, all of that leftover would be his. And so the rights, the results of feeding his men, that's good, right? The way to get there would have been bad. But a lot of times we do this in life too. We establish what our objective is. And we're like, as long as I can get to that objective, I'm good with that. It doesn't matter how I get there. The how that we get there is just as important as the what that we're trying to get to is. And that's just wisdom that we can take from this story. And then finally, don't act without checking in with an all-wise God. You know what's missing from this story? Any conversation of David with God about what should I do. He just went off and whatever popped into his head, whatever seemed good to him, and he went charging on his way. Now, it's interesting, if you keep reading in this story, we get back to this map, you see the, the, the blue circle over here? There's a story that takes place in a couple of chapters here in 1 Samuel, we won't get to it this morning, where David is at Ziklag now, he's moved on from, from this episode, and there's a whole situation that comes up where his, where, where his army has been off in battle, and their wives and children and all the stuff at home is actually kidnapped and taken away. And David comes to that situation, 1 Samuel 30, and the first thing he does is says, God, what do I do here? And it's interesting to me to see how he grew through that situation with Abigail where he just went charging off on his own, and God had to send Abigail to stand in his way to a situation where Ziklag, where he seemingly had every right to pursue this party that had just kidnapped wives and kids, but he stopped this time and he said, okay, God, what do you want me to do here? What's the right step? And if we're going to be wise in life, we need to check in with that all-wise God. So as we wrap up this morning here, we're talking about the way of the wise. Let me just ask you some questions for you to think about. Are you on the way of the wise? How are you even seeking wisdom in your life? And that's the first step, is to actually make that a goal where, where wisdom is something that I value, that wisdom is something that I'm in pursuit of, that wisdom is something that's important to me and I'm doing everything I can to be as wise as I can be. What are you doing about that intentionally? We kind of have it out there vaguely, yeah, I want to be more wise, but are you taking steps in that direction? So secondly then, who are the people that you're pursuing in your life that could help you with that? Where maybe if you have a decision that you're facing that you can go to and say, hey, let me think this through. Ask me some questions about this. Or maybe it's just somebody who, whose wisdom you respect and admire, where you're like, hey, could we just kind of spend some time together? Could we like do breakfast together once a month or something like that so I can just kind of pick your brains? But are you being intentional about who you're listening to? And I should add to that too. Are you, are you listening to the right people? But then what decisions are you facing? Can you find somebody that will help you with that? Do you need to pause for a minute to get kind of restored, uh, to, to have some time to, to recover, to rest maybe, uh, before you charge off and do something that you wish you hadn't? Uh, can you buy yourself maybe a little bit more time? 
And then lastly, have you checked in with God? Just to say, okay, God, I'm trying to figure this out, and I want to do the right thing here. And not every decision we make is a right or wrong decision, is it? Sometimes it's just a, what's, what's wise or what's wiser or what's wisest. And maybe if you're at a point in your life where you're like, you know what, I'm trying to figure this all out, and I haven't stopped, say, hey, God, what do you think? Or I didn't even stop to say, God, what does your word say here? But to really sort through that situation. And so we all face these decisions that's part of the, the trails of life that we're on. And none of us wants to take that path that's going to lead to destruction or that's going to lead to harm or that's going to get us lost or, or, or get us confused. And we all want to choose the right path. And so this morning, I would just introduce you to three people. There's this guy named Nabal Fool. Don't go there. There's this woman named Lookout. Listen to what she has to say because she's trying to get you to look down the path. And then listen to this guy named U-Turn who had enough humility and enough wisdom to say, no, I'm not going that way. I'm going this way. And he kept him on the way of the wise. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come this morning and we're grateful for the people that you put in our lives that give us wisdom. And I can look in my life and see so many people like that. And even people who sit in this room who are part of that group that bring wisdom to my life. We're also thankful for your word, for the wisdom it gives, and for the stories that you include in your word that give us wisdom, including this story this morning. But I pray for us as we sit here in the auditorium or as we're at home and we face decisions and choices in our lives, I pray that you would help us to be wise people. That help us to be people who pursue your wisdom. The wisdom that's found in your word, the wisdom that's found in you and that's found in Jesus Christ. I pray that you would help us to make wise choices. If you've come this morning and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't even know what that means, what that we're talking about. It's where you give your life to Christ, believing that he came to this earth, died for your sins, died on a cross, and rose again so that you could have a relationship with this all-wise God. If you've never trusted him, I'd love to talk to you about that. Catch me at the door on the way out. You could share some of that. If you are a Christ follower this morning, if you have made the decision to follow him, wisdom is a huge challenge for all of us. Where in your life do you need to take something this morning? Where do you need to listen and apply it? Heavenly Father, please help us to walk the way of the wise. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.